You're listening to a message from Redemption Community Church, a life-giving church in Westchester County, New York. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or follow our messages online at redemptioncommunitychurch.org. Thanks for listening and enjoy the message. We are in this series called Love, Relationships in the Church. And uh, every week we've been looking at our key verse. Let's review it together today. It comes from John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. These are the words of Jesus. Here's what he said. A new command I give you, love one another. Here's the new part. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So according to Jesus, there's a lot at stake here. Like This is a big deal. Whether or not our witness is believable is dependent on the way we love each other. So we've got to get this right in the church. So for the past few weeks in this series, we've been talking about how to love each other better, how to get the gospel into our relationships, and how to love people the way Jesus loved us. So in week one, we talked about friendships. Last week, we talked about singleness. Today, we want to talk about marriage. Do we have some married people in the house this morning? Can we give it up for the married people in the house this morning? Come on, show them some love. Do we have some happily married people in the house? Come on, my hand is up. Happily married people. All right, do we have any single people in here who want to be married one day? All right, that's what I'm talking about. They're not shy. Put your hand up, right? Okay, they're available. Yes, that's what I'm talking about. Do we have some single people in the house? You might be more inspired to want to get married if you actually knew more happily married people. Come on. (laughs) All right, one last question. Do we have any married people who some days you wish you were single? Don't, Don't put your hand up for that one. Don't put your hand up for that one. One of y'all started to put your hand up, and you got nudged really hard just now. (laughs) So we know that we have a lot of different people in different seasons in the room and online with us this morning. Some of you might be in the category of seeking marriage. Uh, Maybe you're single, and maybe you've had a broken relationship in the past, or there's been divorce in your family, and you, you want to avoid those things. You want to get it right, and so we want to invite you to lean in. Uh, some of you are surviving marriage. Let's be honest, between work and bills and kids and the rat race, like your marriage is kind of on cruise control right now. You're kind of running a little bit low on, on passion, and you need some encouragement today. And then we know that there are those of you who you, you're trying to save your marriage, Let's be honest, like you need God to touch your marriage. You need a work of healing. You need a miracle in your marriage. And we believe God can do that. And we want to speak to you, whatever category you're in today, we want to speak some encouragement to you today. Okay, so right off the bat, can we just acknowledge that marriage can be difficult at times? Yes. Right? It can be. Um, and I think to me, yes, it yes, can be. <laughs> true. Um, I think one of the number one things that has really helped us is we've read books, we've gone to couples therapy, we've heard a lot of um, speakers with pastors and leaders. Um, it's just to know that we're not alone, to know yeah. that other people are going through the same thing and have the same struggles as we do. So just because we're pastors, please don't think that we have a perfect marriage or we have it all together, because I assure you that we don't. Um, I always like to say that it's not that we have all the answers, it's just that we've been through it first. And yeah. so God takes us through things so that we can help others and take Amen. them on the journey that we've been on. So how many of you seen those social media posts where it's Instagram versus reality? Yeah. Have you seen those posts before? They're always kind of fun. So we kind of had one of those Instagram versus reality days this past week. So Tuesday was my birthday. And so Jeremy had surprised me. Thank you. Jeremy had surprised me 
with some tickets to go to a Broadway show, and I was super excited. It's one that I wanted to go to. And so the day was a little crazy. It was completely full, um, and so we only had about 30 minutes to celebrate my birthday, to have cake and open presents with the boys, mm-hmm. and then we had to get to the city. So during those 30 minutes, my children, my three boys, um, they decided to fight and wrestle and argue yes. the whole thing, and one of them fell. Now, of course, I was really mad, and I'm yelling into them, and you're ruining my birthday, you know, the whole thing, because we're supposed to be celebrating. Well, it was a little worse than I thought, and we actually thought one of them broke a bone. Yes. So instead of spending my time celebrating, we're now focused on that, and now we're running late to the show, and everything happened. So Corey and Reagan were amazing. They came over to play mom and dad and take my son to urgent care so we could go to uh, the movies or the theater. So we got to the city. We rushed there. We were running late. We got there with two minutes to spare. And so I was really distracted the whole first act. I kept checking my phone to make sure he's okay. Is anything broken? And, of course, the lady next to me, we're just going to call her Karen. She wasn't (laughs) too happy with me. Um, And she let me know very boldly, very bluntly, that I was ruining the night for her, Um, even though I described exactly what happened, but she didn't care. So by the second act, no broken bones. We were good, and we finally got to enjoy it. But it definitely did not go as we had planned. Instagram So, yes, our Facebook page looked great, but it was a little crazy. So there you go. If you thought your pastors had a perfect marriage, that's what's really going on in the Ziegler home, okay? Pray for us. So besides the lie that um, you're the only one whose marriage is tough at times if you're married, I think there are two lies that we're tempted to believe um, that are really common if you stay married long enough. And I want you to put these in your notes today. Lie number one is this, I married the wrong person. I married the wrong person. After you've been married long enough, when the honeymoon's over, you begin to see your spouse's flaws. They're on full display for you every day. And, and, and after you begin to have the same patterns of arguments that repeat themselves over and over again, I think many of us have found ourselves wondering, like, maybe I just married the wrong person. So I have to admit, I've had that thought before. <laughs> so um, it was early on in our marriage. We had been married just a year. We had just gotten out of Bible college. Um, we were in Texas moving to Louisiana. So Jeremy was starting a new job. And we yeah. were definitely a little stressed in that season. So we were driving around trying to find an apartment, find a place to live. And I don't even remember exactly what the words were or what was said, but he snapped. And I had never seen that side of him before. (laughs) And so instantly I was shocked and I thought, who the heck did I just marry? What did I do? Yeah, the honeymoon was over. (laughs) It was over, yes. (laughs) Yeah, years later, fast forward years later, and Amy and I were kind of in a bad rut um, a couple years ago and just same patterns of like not getting along and arguing about the same things. And I was really upset with Amy one time and I actually Googled how to know if you married the wrong person. Oh, I know you're more sanctified than me, but I Googled that. And I actually found an article in Psychology Today entitled, Everyone Marries the Wrong Person. (laughs) It was like the Lord gave me just the article that I needed to read. Now, shame on me as a pastor for not knowing what even secular psychologists already know. And that is that everybody marries the wrong person. You say, why? What does that mean, Pastor Jeremy? Well, because every marriage is made up of two imperfect, sinful human beings. How many of you know that's true? Now, we're not making light of the fact that somebody might be abusive in a marriage or unfaithful to their vows, but in a sense, we all marry the wrong person because every marriage involves two imperfect human beings who are both sinners. Mm -hmm. Okay, so here's the other lie that we can tell ourselves. Lie number two, it will get better over time. It will get better over time. Now, if you stay married long enough, inevitably you will hit some difficulties and some of your friends and family will tell you, and they'll mean well, but they will tell you it will get better. Just give it time. 
Now, that's advice that's better than the opposite, right? But (laughs) the reality is that marriage doesn't just get better over time. You have to put in the effort, right? You have to allow God to work in your heart, and you have to be willing to cooperate with him. And we all know that perfect couple that has a great marriage, and their marriage has lasted through the years, and it's the, the couple that we want to be like. It's the couple that we aspire after. Maybe it's a grandparent, or maybe it's our own parents, or maybe a family friend. But often what we don't see is all the work they did yep. behind the scenes to make their marriage healthy. Yeah. So we have to combat these two lies with the truth of God's word. And so I want to show you a scripture from Ephesians chapter 5. And this is a famous portion of scripture where the Apostle Paul is writing to the Ephesians and he's giving instructions for Christian households. And and he has this portion where he talks to husbands and wives about how to honor each other and and how to love each other and serve each other as a reflection of how we love and serve Christ. And so I'm going to fast forward through it to kind of the end of this section to two verses. And in this first verse we're going to look at, Paul is quoting a description of marriage from Genesis chapter 2. Here's what he writes. As the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Then look at verse 32. This is a great mystery. Everybody say mystery. This is a great mystery, but it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So again, I say each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. So the apostle Paul says... Uh, that marriage is a mystery. Come on, how many of you married people would say in here today that sometimes marriage feels like a mystery? Who the heck is this person I married? Who talks like that? Who eats like that? Who sleeps like that? Who drives like that? Like, who is this person? Am I the only one? You guys are being way too quiet on me this morning. We're keeping it real in church today, okay? This is like a group therapy session. Marriage sometimes feels like a mystery, And the word translated mystery here, it really doesn't mean what we kind of think of in the English connotation. It comes from the original Greek. It comes from the Greek word mysterion, which is a divine truth that's been revealed. Something that was previously concealed, but now it's revealed to us. And in this case, it's revealed to us in the person of Jesus Christ. So here's the revelation about marriage. Christian marriage is actually a picture of Christ's love for the church. Come on, the Apostle Paul tells us that God actually designed marriage to be a radical reflection of his love for us. So it's not just about you. It's not just about your satisfaction. It's not just about you living happily ever after with your little picket fence. Like, your Christian marriage has a mission. There's something bigger than you. Your marriage is meant to be a picture of how Christ loved the church. And so Paul earlier tells us that a wife is to honor and respect her husband's leadership in the home as a reflection of her love and devotion to Christ. And a husband is to love his wife uh, self-sacrificially as Christ loved the church. But here's the million dollar question. How do we actually live this out, right? Like, what do we actually do? How do we act? What's the key to, to living this way? Well, we can only live this out by getting the gospel into our marriages, Come on, by getting the gospel into our relationships, by having a greater revelation of of the way Christ has loved us. So with that in mind, here's a simple equation for a healthy marriage, and I would encourage you to put this in your notes today. Here it is. The grace of God plus a commitment to work on the relationship 
equals a pathway to a healthy marriage. Come on, it's the grace of God. It's not trying to change the other person. It's not Googling, did I marry the wrong person, right? But it's getting the grace of God into our relationship. And it's not just expecting that any relationship, especially a marriage, is just going to get better over time. But it's a commitment to work on the relationship. Put those two together, and you have a pathway to a healthy marriage. So what we want to do today is we want to take the next few minutes to share about some of the areas where we've learned and we've grown over almost uh, 20 years coming up this fall and some areas where we've experienced the grace of God and where, quite frankly, we've put in some work the past few years. And so we want to give you three truths to embrace for a healthy marriage. And lean in here, single people, because there's some principles here that'll speak to all of us, whatever age or stage that we find ourselves in today. Three truths to embrace for a healthy marriage. Number one, learn to accept each other's differences. Come on, by the grace of God, learn to accept each other's differences. You see, when we marry someone, when we meet someone and we fall in love, often what initially attracted us to that person, right, what was different about them, how they're different from us, what initially attracted us to them is the very thing that will drive us crazy if you give it some time. Isn't this true? For example, that introvert girl who meets that really outspoken, extroverted, confident guy. Come on, when you met him, he was so wonderful. He was so confident. He was so outspoken. Fast forward a year, a few years later, and now you're frustrated because he never shuts up. He leaves you hanging whenever you go to a social event because he's a social butterfly. Come on, when you first met him, he was wonderful. Oh, he's a verbal processor. He's a ver- he just gets it all out. It's so wonderful. He just verbally processes. Now it's like he just says whatever he pops into his head. He won't shut up. This is, the, this is what happens, right? What attracted you at first is what later on like, makes you want to kill that person. It's been said that initially opposites attract, but over time opposites attack. So what do we do? Some of you married people are like, yeah, come on, pastor. Preach truth up in here. So what do we do? Well, by the grace of God and with the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, we learn to accept each other's differences. So key number one to doing this is to become a student of yourself. Become a student of yourself. So one of the things that has helped both of us in accepting each other is growing in self-awareness. Really, we really had to get to know who we were. So let's read Proverbs 21, verse 2. It says, a person may think their own ways are right, but the Lord Weighs the heart. Mm -hmm. And I know we talked about this some in week one, and it's especially important for a healthy marriage. So we want to make sure that we're doing this in our marriages too. So let's review what the definition of self awareness is it's the ability to see yourself clearly based on introspection and reflection. That's so good, right? So it's really getting to know who you are. It's getting to know your strengths, your weaknesses, your tendencies, your feelings, desires, your temperament, and even getting to know your, tempta- your temptations and your sinful patterns, even yeah. the hard things that we don't even want to acknowledge. And so this is why those personality profile tests are so good, and we talk about them so much here in church. So um, you've got the DISC profile, which we're actually going to be doing today in growth, um, in growth Track. So if you want to hang out after second service, you'd be... Glad to uh, do that with you. We also have um, the Myers-Briggs, which is uh, made free on 16personalities.com. The Enneagram is really good. That's a really popular one right now. And even the book, The Five Love Languages. And just diving into all of those things really get a picture of who we are and who the other person is and how it is that they come together. So these are really important things in general for any relationship, right? But they're critical in a marriage. Because we tend to see differences in temperaments and personalities as character flaws. 
Yeah. And so we have to be really careful to differentiate that. And it's not that your spouse is always wrong. It's that they're just different from you. And so, sure, there's the unhealthy side um, to all temperaments, right? But being different doesn't mean that it's wrong. And so until you do the work of self-awareness, you'll have a tendency to assume that they should be just like you because your inner reality is all that you know. Yeah, so key number two is become a student of your partner, right? The first one is become a student of yourself, then become a student of your partner. And by the way, this is just good relationship wisdom. This will help you whether you're in a romantic relationship or not, with friendships, whatever. Become a student of your partner. See, self-awareness leads to other awareness. Can I say that to you again? Self-awareness leads to others' awareness and the realization that your partner, any person that you're in a relationship, their way of being in the world, that's a phrase that our counselor uses, their way of being in the world, their internal reality is different from yours. And so the more you learn about your, your partner, your spouse's personality and temperament, the better you're going to be able to relate to them because you're going to better understand their inner motivation and their wiring. Okay, so let me give you an example of how Amy and I are wired differently, okay? So Amy is a classic melancholic. She's artsy. She loves presentation and order, and she's big time into details. If you ever get a gift from me and Amy, you will know right away it's from Amy. I had nothing to do with it. It's going to come perfectly presented, packaged with a color that matches your skin tone. It's going to be, you know, wrapped up nicely and just, it's going to look like something straight off of Etsy, okay? You're going to be like, yeah, Jeremy had nothing to do with this (laughs) because she loves the details, right? Me, I'm the opposite. So I'm a choleric. I'm a deal the disc profile, which means I tend to love like the big picture. I love the vision. Like I don't want to be down in the details. Like let me cast the vision, the big picture. So early on in leading the church together, Amy and I kept clashing because I kept trying to get Amy to lead like, like me, right? I was trying to get Amy to, to delegate and give everything away. And, and I was frustrated. And, you know, as we were, we were doing some work on this whole self-awareness and learning about temperaments and everything, one day Amy came to me and she said, you know, baby, you're always asking me to give away the very things that give life to me. You're always asking me to delegate the very things that I love that, that bring me to life. And I realized I needed to let Amy get involved in some of the details because that's what brings life to her. Now, over time, I've rubbed off on her a little bit, and she's learned to lean on me to delegate and give some things around so she doesn't run herself into the ground. But we had to let our our temperaments come together and build self-awareness and others' awareness. And can I just confess to you guys today that I spent many years, like, secretly wanting Amy to change. I spent many years wanting Amy to change instead of just loving her completely for who she is. And so let me say this to you. When it comes to personality differences, recognition can lead to appreciation. Can I say that to you again today? Recognition can lead to appreciation. You see, when I begin to realize that God wired Amy differently than me, and that was for my benefit, can I get an amen, somebody? Aren't you glad that God wired Amy the way he wired her, and he wired me the way he wired me? Like, she keeps this place running. When I begin to realize that Amy's strength, she was strong, where where I'm weak, right? And, And my strengths are her weakness, and I actually begin to appreciate our differences, like genuinely, truthfully appreciate our differences. So can I just encourage you this morning, especially married people, you'll get a break through in your relationship when you resign from wishing that your spouse was like you. And sometimes we do it subconsciously without realizing it. You'll get a breakthrough in your relationship when you resign from the mission of trying to change them. How many of you married people over the years have found yourselves giving them gentle nudges and suggestions of how they could be a better person? (laughs) You know, let me just tell you, let me just help change you. Let me ask you this, how'd that work out for you? 
If they just bring up, oh yeah, go ahead, let me get my notebook out. Go ahead and tell me how I can change. Go ahead and dictate that. Let me get this written down. How'd that work out for you? We know how it works out. It doesn't work. And yet we're so committed to it, right? The only person you can change is yourself. And let's be honest, we all have our hands full just trying to change ourselves. The only person you can change is yourself, and you can only do that with the help of the Holy Spirit. And so our goal is to accept our partner for who they are by the grace of God, right? That's part of our equation, by the grace of God, but also love them into being the best version of themselves. Amen? So good. Okay, so we're talking about three truths to embrace for a healthy marriage. So number two is learn to communicate with empathy. Empathy, Learn to communicate with empathy. It's been said communication is the relationship. As communication goes, so goes the relationship. So let's read Ephesians 4.29. It says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Now, for those of you who here last year as we did our relationship series, this was our key verse. So hopefully yeah. this is ingrained um, in your heart from that. But let's talk about empathy for a minute. What is empathy? Empathy is seeing the world from your partner's perspective mm-hmm. and understanding their needs. So here's the mistake that we continually make. We tend to assume that the other person sees and experiences life just the way that we do. I know I'm definitely guilty of that, and I'm sure I'm not alone. For example, it's like all of us are looking through a set of lenses, right? Pretend you're putting on sunglasses or putting on prescription glasses, and we keep saying, I don't understand why they can't see it the way that I see it. Mm -hmm. But we can't see things their way until we put on their lenses. So we have to put on their glasses because all of us have a different shade and how we view things. So this is where empathy comes in. The actual definition of empathy is the ability to understand and share the feelings of another. That's so good, right? To share the feelings of another. And often when we're in an argument and constantly disagreeing about something, it's really because we are both feeling something totally different and having trouble connecting. And so the only way that we can truly understand each other through communicating with empathy is by really just having understanding of what's going on in them. So in other words, um, what does a situation or problem Mm -hmm. look like to my partner? Mm -hmm. What is it from his perspective? right? What are they feeling right now and why? And so remember that you don't have to agree or disagree because feelings aren't necessarily right or wrong. It's just getting to understand what they're feeling in that moment. Yeah, it's so good. And so we're going to give you one practical application for communicating with empathy. Okay, just one thing that I think will help you above all else. And here it is. Practice reflective listening. Practice reflective listening. James 1 verse 19 says this, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. I think we can all admit that we naturally do the opposite, right? We're quick to speak, and we're slow to listen, and we're quick to become angry. We talk over each other, and we lose our tempers really fast. And James says, no, no, with the help of the Holy Spirit, slow down, right? Be slow to speak and be quick to listen. Proverbs 18.13 says this, to answer before listening, that is folly and shame. And we've all been guilty of answering before listening. How many of you know there's a difference between hearing people and actually listening to people? Those are not necessarily the same thing, right? Communication has has two parts, what's said and what's heard. So how many of you want to get better at communication? Anybody with me? How many of you? Okay, we're going to pray for the rest of you. If you want to get better at communication, I'm going to give you one simple thing. Are you ready? Become a better listener. 
Come on, you don't have to be the greatest wordsmith. You don't have to be the greatest verbal processor. You don't have to be the most wordy person. If you can just become a better listener, your communication will get better. And we can all do that. And so sometimes Amy and I, we get, in, uh, get caught into what I would call the vortex of the misunderstanding cycle. You know, I'll say something and Amy misunderstands what I meant by it. She hears it the wrong way. Then she says something back to me and I misunderstand her. And we're just going back and forth and like this vortex starts spinning and like we get sucked into it. You know what I'm saying? Like we're just misfiring back and forth and totally misunderstanding each other. And you know what usually causes us to break out of it? When one of us slows down and just starts listening to the other person. That's what breaks us out of that, that cycle. And so reflective listening is actively listening so that you can accurately reflect what the other person said, right? So start with the the simple principle, listen to understand, not to respond. How many times are we in a conversation with somebody, especially in an argument with somebody, and while they're talking, we're already formulating our response to what they said so that we can be ready to hit them when it's our turn, right? We're not listening to understand, we're listening to respond, but we got to slow down and hear what the other person is saying. Because it's amazing how sometimes when you're in an argument, it's like you, you ever say something and the other person like repeats what you said and you're like, I didn't say that. Like, who are you talking to? It's like we're speaking a totally different language. Are we the only married people who ever experienced that? It's like, what language are you speaking, right? And so we got to listen to understand, not to respond. The point of reflective listening is to let your, your, person, uh, the, your partner or the other person know that you actually heard what they said and you understood the message. And so you can actually phrase this back. Here's a tool, an actual conversation tool. Like you could say, I, I heard you say, fill in the blank. Am I understanding you right? Like, I heard you say you, hurt my gut, my, you hate my guts. Did I, did I hear you right? Don't say that. That's not nice. But actually phrase back, like, am I, am I hearing you, okay? And can I just give you a bonus tip, especially for you ladies, like, turn the phones off when you're talking, because men, like, we can't pay attention. If there's any kind of screen that's on, whether it's a phone or a TV, like, we, we, we are not hearing you, okay? It has something to do with our inner caveman, like, you know, sitting around a fire, we just kind of... Are you paying of, attention to what you're saying? Yes, yeah, she's going to play okay, this back to me on the sure. podcast, she's like, <laughs> listen to your own message. But there's something, I don't know, like, you know, we're just, we are so drawn to like a flickering screen. So if you're trying to talk to us while we have our phones on, like we're hearing you, but we're not really hearing you. (laughs) So turn the phone off, okay? But here's the whole point. We can't heal the relationship until we hear each other. Can't heal the relationship until we hear each other. So we've got to learn to listen with empathy. All right. So three truths to embrace for healthy marriage. Let's do a little recap here. Number one was learn to accept each other's differences. Number two, learn to communicate with empathy. And number three, learn to love past each other's faults. Learn to love past each other's faults. Okay, so the story goes, we fall in love, we get married, and we live happily ever after. Okay, we're going to stop right there because there's a whole heck of a lot that starts and goes in the middle, right? So, um, you know, we talked earlier about how the things that attracted us to our spouse at one point in the beginning can now drive us crazy on the other side. For example, an introvert attracted to a confident person might have loved it at first, but over time, the introvert might begin to feel unheard or always in the shadows, and maybe some resentment can kind of build up. Or maybe your spouse is very outspoken, and you loved it at first that they had the courage to say whatever was on their mind. But over time, those blunt words really began to dig deep. Deep. 
And so you see those areas of attraction now are glaring faults that they have. And those faults actually become wounds that build up and begin to hurt on our hearts. And so when that buildup happens, it can really cause blockages in our marriage. And people's faults and shortcomings can be very personal to us right? They can really hurt if we're not careful. But God calls us to love each other past our faults, to see past those weaknesses. And the only way we can do this is by living a life of forgiveness, right? To live that life of forgiveness. And we all know how important it is, yet it's something we all struggle with. And because we're imperfect and we're sinful, at some point, our faults are going to hurt each other again and again. And without forgiveness, the relationship cannot flourish. So So forgiveness is really about letting go of the hurt and the offenses so we can live whole in Christ. And you know, studies have even shown that continually revisiting hurtful memories and holding on to a grudge can actually worsen a person's health while granting forgiveness can improvement. Even imagining the act of forgiving and cultivating empathy brings emotional and psychological benefits. Wow, did you hear that? That's the power of forgiveness. Even imagining it will begin to bring healing to like your soul, your heart, like even your physical health. That's powerful. You know, often hurts are the result of unmet expectations. Think about that for just a moment. Often hurts are the results of unmet expectations. I mean, hurt happens in the gap between what I expected and what actually happened. Come on, there's often a gap in any relationship, especially marriage, of what we expected of a person and what actually happened. How many of you know the bigger the gap between what we expected and what actually happened, there's more room for hurt? It corresponds to the size of the hurt. How many of you married people would just be honest and admit that you've experienced unmet expectations with your spouse? I think we all have. Can we just have an honest moment in church? I'll never forget that, you know, that when we, our first year of marriage, we went to um, see Dr. Gary Chapman, who wrote the famous book, The Five Love Languages. And he said, at some point in time in your marriage, you're going to experience disappointment, really from unmet expectations. And it was so good for me to hear that as a very young husband, to realize that what I was sensing and experiencing, I wasn't the only one. And he said, we're all going to experience disappointment. The, the question is, what are you going to do with that disappointment? We've all had unmet expectations. I thought you were going to give me more sex. I thought you were going to make more money. I thought you were going to take the kids. I thought you were going to wait for me to finish that Netflix show together. Hello, Pastor Amy. She always cheats on me with Netflix shows. I'm like, that was our show. You cheated on me. You went ahead of me. You're supposed to watch it together. (laughs) But seriously, with that disappointment, right, over time, like hurt can really creep in. And I think there are many times that we're really not aware of just how much the unresolved pain um, is at the root of so many of our, our marriage struggles. It's, it's there. We're just not even conscious of it. And the more that the pain consumes us, the more it controls us. And, and staying there and blaming them forever, you know, defining our life by what they did to us and replaying it over and over again, it only increases the pain. So can I just take a moment and just be vulnerable with you guys today? So this is definitely a journey that Jeremy and I had to go on with just having forgiveness for each other. You know, we've been said we've been married almost 20 years and we've had moments of having some rocky times in our marriage. Um, I told you we didn't have it perfectly all together. Um, But, you know, there was things that were just so simple with our different temperaments um, that I saw as faults and things that really hurt me. And 
vice versa, um, things that really hurt him because of my temperament. And it wasn't that any of us were either wrong or intentionally trying to hurt each other, but it just happened. And those hurts began to build up. And so it was really through um, counseling and through spending time in a freedom course that we did and just getting other pastors and leaders to pour into us that really went on a journey of forgiveness, a journey of letting go. And some of the things I had to let go of were from like year one in our marriage or year two and things that were just there and kind of built on that foundation that I had to get God to just free me of. And so I just want to encourage you that if that's you today, to go on that journey because it's so good and God has so much for you. When you release that, when you give forgiveness, there's such a wholeness that comes. There's a new wholeness in our marriage. I think our relationship is better than it's ever been. been. And um, so I just want to encourage you that if that's you, that you're not alone, that other people have gone through that. And so just restoring that, that forgiveness to the other person. And, you know, we just want to offer too that if you need counseling, um, to go ahead and reach out. I know it's on our website if yeah, you want to share about that to, too. You can go to Pastoral Care on our website in our ministries or email the church info at redemptioncommunitychurch.org. We partner with a really great uh, Christian-based counseling organization and we believe in that. We've done it. Like we, we put our money where our mouth is and, and I would encourage you to, if you do that, if you need it, get it the best investment you'll make into your marriage. Absolutely, because God wants to create a new beauty and life in our marriages, right? We have to look past the flaws, past the hurt, and be willing to walk in that wholeness. And so let's just read two more quick verses. Romans 12, 18 says, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Yeah. So some of you, even right now, as we're talking about this, this whole idea of un- unforgiven hurts and unresolved hurts, like you're, you're aware of some things in your life right now, some areas where you've been hurt and you've been kind of holding on to it. And, and those hurts are holding your marriage back from being everything it, it, it could be. And in just a few minutes, we're going to pray for you. We're going to believe for God to do a work in your heart. And maybe you're, maybe you're not married. Uh, maybe you're a single person and you just recognize there are some, some hurts from past relationships. Or maybe you're divorced and you're still in the process of forgiving. Come on, we're going to believe for God to do a healing work in your heart. In fact, at the end of the service today, when we dismiss, our prayer team is going to be available. And I want to just encourage you, don't be in such a rush to leave. If you need to experience forgiveness, Amy and I, we're going to be available. We're going to be, be happy to pray with you, especially if you want prayer for your marriage. But let me just leave you with this final scripture. Let's go back to Ephesians chapter 5 for just a moment where Paul's talking about Christian marriage. And he gives this picture again of, of how a husband should love his wife. He says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Come on, isn't that what Christ did for us? He voluntarily gave himself up for us. He sacrificed himself for us when he went to the cross. Look at verse 26, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Isn't this what Jesus did for us? He went to the cross, and he made a way for us to be forgiven, to be redeemed, to be made new, to be made whole. Come on, whoever's in Christ is a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. Now, let's just stick with that whole picture that whole marriage analogy for just a, a moment. And I want you to, I want to give you a mental picture here to close with. I want you to think about a wedding. You know, I, I officiate a lot of weddings. I officiated a wedding just this, this past weekend. And, and my favorite part of a wedding is still when the bride comes in, I love to look back at the groom's face. 
And you know, whether or not they've already seen each other that day, whether they've taken pictures or whether they've done the traditional thing of waiting to see each other, I love to look back and see the groom's face because in that moment, despite any imperfections that she has, and every bride has some imperfection, in that moment when he sees her, she's perfect. Come on, in his eyes, he doesn't see any of those imperfections. He sees her as perfect. And here's what I want you to get today, church. That's how Jesus saw you. Come on, he loved you despite your sins and your imperfections. And because of his sacrifice, you were made new in Christ. Come on, he loved you past your faults. He loved you past your brokenness. He loved you despite your flaws and despite your sins. And he loved you into wholeness. And you are a new creation if you are in Christ Jesus. So here's what I want you to get today, especially married people. When you love your spouse that way, when you love your your spouse despite their weaknesses, when you love them past their faults, you're doing gospel work. Come on, you're doing the work of the Lord. You are loving a broken person into wholeness. Come on, when we get this into our relationships, whether you're married or not, when we love someone the way Jesus loved us, you're doing gospel work because you're loving a broken person into wholeness. And if you're married... Your mission is to love that person into being the best version of themselves, the person God created them to be. And so the greater our revelation of God's love for us, the greater will be our ability to love another person that way, to love them past their faults, and to love our spouse into wholeness. Amen? So we're going to pray for you today. Come on, I want to ask you to stand. Come on, stand with us all over this place this morning. Stand with us. We want to pray for you. And if you're in the married ranks and your spouse is with you today, I just want to encourage you to grab, grab each other by the hand today, maybe put an arm around each other. And we're going to pray. We're going to pray for God to do a work in our lives today. First of all, we're going to pray for every one of us in this place, married, single, divorced, whatever. We're going to pray for a greater revelation of the love of God. Amen. That's what we've been talking about through this whole series. We keep coming back to this truth every week. And that is the greater our revelation is of just how well we've been loved in Christ Jesus the greater will be our ability to love other people the way God loved us. So we're going to pray for that. And then we're going to pray for forgiveness, just like Amy talked about, to release some of those hurts that we've been holding on to that maybe we didn't even realize were there and we're kind of spiritually clogged in our hearts today. And we're going to believe for God to do a healing work in your heart. And then after we pray this prayer, later on today in the service, we want to invite you to stick around if you'd like one of us or the prayer team to pray for you. But babe, would you pray for us? Dear Heavenly Father, We just invite you into our hearts. We invite you into this church, into our marriages. And this morning, God, we just ask that you would just make your love more real to us than ever before. That as you died on a cross and as you just poured out for us, Lord God, that your revelation of your love would just become birthed new in our hearts, Lord God. And as it becomes real in all that you've done for us, that we could in turn take that and love others just like you have loved us that we can love our spouses, that we can love our family, that we can love our friends with that same love. And we know, God, that because we're human, because we're imperfect, we cannot do that without you, without your revelation. And so, God, I just ask that you would just birth that in us today. And God, I also pray for married couples or anybody else that maybe has some unresolved pain or hurts that have kind of built up on their heart. I ask, Lord God, that you would reveal that this morning that you would begin to bring those things to light. And as those issues come to light, Lord God, that you begin to heal, 
that you would just begin to move, Lord God, that you would begin to set free. That, God, you would begin to pluck out those roots, Lord God, and from the ashes that you would just birth something new. I pray, Lord God, that you birth new life and beauty into our married couples, Lord God. We thank you for the gift of marriage. And we don't take that for granted. And so this morning, I just ask that you would do what only you can do. And God, we thank you that you've forgiven us. We thank you that you've set us free, Lord. And so in return, we want to release and give it all back to you. And so this morning, God, we just worship you. We put our faith, our hope, and our trust in you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thanks for tuning into our podcast. If you'd like to connect with us or learn more about our church, please visit us online at redemptioncommunitychurch.org. We hope you can listen or join us next week.